0: this episode of The Posecast, powered by basketballnews.com, we got my man, Bonzi Wells, you know, a host of Let's Get Technical with uh, Gerald Brown and Rasheed Wallace. Man, Bonzi, what's good with you, man? Good seeing you. Oh, my man.
1: Man, man, I appreciate you having me on, man. I'm good, famo. How are you?
0: I'm good, man. I'm chilling. I know you, you, you're a busy man, man. You're a busy man, but like I said... I appreciate you taking the time out, you know, to join us on this postcast. You know what I'm saying? I know that uh, Let's Get Technical been doing this thing as well. So much, you know, love to you and she doing that. You know, how that's been going?
1: Man, it's been good. Um, You know, we finished our first season. you know, you know, you know how this, this podcasting world is, man. I, we're blessed to be in it, you know, and, and it takes a lot to kind of take that first step and the initial step to even do this. And I was thankful, man. Rashid took the leap about a year ago. You know, I was totally surprised that Rashid even agreed to talk to become media. And it's been a, it's been a hell of a ride, man. We have fun with it. We love this shit. I mean. You know, it's just, you know, I, 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 the word I say all the time is therapeutic. You know, it's been great to kind of just talk about different things, get it off your chest and, and revisit old scenarios like man, you you about to do for the next hour.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, when I see y'all tune, I say, oh, it's going to be classic. <laughs> Every episode is going to be classic, man. Yeah. Listen, hey, give them what they want. Hey, don't hold back, you know, and don't hold back on here, here on the podcast. You know yeah. what I mean? But keep doing your thing on that. B, tell us about growing up for Muncie. Muncie, Indiana. You know we don't hear too much about Muncie, but we know Bonzi well. The man, Monty, tell us about that.
1: Man, you know I'm an Indiana kid. You know, small town guy. I mean, you know, you know how Midwestern living is. Poles. You know, it's kind of just you know blue collar workers. You know, everybody just you know, it's not 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 city life, but you know, you get a a cool community life. And you know, we you know we grew up in a tight knit community where everybody was either your cousin or y'all you know, was a close friend or y'all might as well be cousin. So, you know, I was always in in those type of, of situations in Muncie. And and if you know anything about Indiana, basketball is life. You know, ball is life. And, you know, if you can hoop in Indiana, you can hoop anywhere. And that was always the mindset and the motto coming from Indiana. And just being blessed that, you know, I, I, I had a, um, you know, a good family structure and a good basketball structure growing up that kind of helped me get to where I am.
0: So where did your love of the game come from? Who was your influence growing up?
1: Well, you know, we had a lot of them, you know, uh, you know, you you know, every, every neighborhood or every city had a local legend and local people that you kind of look up to that's done things that, you know, as a kid, you think is amazing. So we had those type of guys in my neighborhood that really, you know, inspired me to want to be good. And even, even, you know, local, local rabbits that I call them, people that I chased that they chased their career, you know, things that they did on the middle school level, high school level, and even on the collegiate level. So I had a few of those guys that I was blessed enough to chase and, you know, like, you know, they always mentored me and helped me along the way to kind of understand the bigger picture. And if I, you know, you really put your mind to this and, and your body to this, you know, you, good things can come out of it. So I was just thankful for those type mentors.
0: So was it always basketball? Was it football, baseball, anything else? You know, poles. I can do it all. You know, I can shoot <laughs> dice, I can shoot dice,
1: pool, play cards, lottery tricks, whatever you need. <laughs> now, you know, I mean, you know, I did. I, I mean, I did all to a certain. I, I did play football a little bit up until I got to high school. You know, once you get tall, you know, the basketball coach like, no, 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 he done with football, so they 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 strictly kept me uh basketball my last few years, and I was okay with it. Um, you know, I, I come from one of the top high schools in um Indiana, and we got. Some of the some of the, the richest history, actually the movie Hoosiers is about my high school. you know we got, actually got beaten really? the, yeah, we got beaten the state championship by the small school because we was always the state that only had one champion, so that was about my high school, so we have a rich tradition, and to be able to go through those ranks you know be mentioned as one of the greatest to come out of that high school and the state has been it's been a hell of a ride, bro I ain't gonna lie man, that's crazy
0: that you said that I, I did not know that I'm sure a lot of people didn't know that either. Yeah. So hmm, who's your, huh? So the picket fits and all that, that was, you know, that
1: took y'all down, huh? Yeah, I'm telling you, you know, you, you play them county schools, man. These county schools got something for these boys nowadays, man. They putting in the work and, and, you know, basketball's different now, Pose, you know, like like with us, you know, like we couldn't sit in the house and chill and play video games or just even be around, the, be in the house, period. You know, you had to be outside doing something and, and, and basketball, what it was for us, you know, you, you get that run in the morning, you get something to eat and then you run again in the afternoon and, and you try to get better, so it's just, it's just different. I'm, I'm I'm trying to get adjusted to these these new rules and these new lifestyles these kids do and the new process they go by to get better. So I'm, I'm getting
0: adjusted. Right. I mean, the only way we got better, we is out there playing it. We ain't yeah. turned down no games, no competition. It, no. it was nothing too far. You're gonna walk there, ride your bike or whatever. You're just gonna find yeah. a way to get to the to the best run and just you know, shit, play the game that you you know you you love. Yeah. Exactly. 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 You've been working in, in Muncie Central High School. Yeah. How did you end up at Ball State? Man, I'm gonna tell you the truth, man. I,
1: Ball State, you know, Ball State is in Muncie where I'm where I'm born and raised. So it was it was more or less it was Ball State was always there, but I never really considered going there because I used to go up there in high school and play against those guys, and you know, and I was when I was young, I was like, okay, I'm competing with these guys now. I'm almost better than half of them or most of them at 15 and 16. So I was like, well, maybe I can go to a higher level. You know, that ball State was just always in the back of my mind. So as I was going through my process, you know, I only played two years of varsity basketball. It's actually funny, you know, I tell my story to people, you know, I got cut from the basketball team in eighth grade. So
0: don't tell me you got an MJ story cut. the MJ story. Don't close. I got cut. Don't listen. I got cut. I got motivated. Now, But, you know, honestly, I'll, but, you know, going through my process, I only got a
1: chance to play varsity two years, you know, because my process was a little slower, and I got a chance to play varsity. And just I had a hell of a two years, and I ended up getting runner-up for, you know, player of the year in the state. And a few teams was after me, like Michigan was after me, Wisconsin, IU. Purdue was really on my radar because I, I, I love Glenn Robinson. I was a huge Glenn Robinson fan. I used to try to pattern my game after him. You know, Big Dog was just everything for me because he was just – You know what I'm saying? He was just a hood nigga. He reminded me of me. He had that grit in him. He was like, he wasn't giving a fuck. And that's why, that's, you know, that, you know, when you get, that's probably not who he is in real life. And we know that. But when you get between them lines, I love that that's who he was. And that's who I wanted to be. And that's who I became. Like when I got between them lines, I was that. And, you know, they had me going to Purdue. I was really going to go to Purdue. And, but one thing that happened: um, the coach at Ball State, he was a Muncie guy, born and raised, actually lived across the street from me growing up, knew his family. He got the job at Ball State, Ray McCollum. You know, that's my man. And he and he called me, and, and, and he recruited me. and He just said some real stuff to me. He was like, "Listen, Bonzi, you can come, you can go to Purdue or IU, where they're going to be recruiting for your spot every year. You're going to have really, really top, talented, top hundred players on your team every year. So you might not be able to develop or grow like you want to. Or you can come to this mid major." You can come here. I'll give you a chance to develop. I will never recruit at your spot, and I'm going to get you to the pros. And when he said that to me, it just made sense for me that I got, you know, the development part because I've never been away from home. I needed to grow up and mature. And he helped me as a a mentor, coach, father figure, and I really appreciate it. So it worked out for me. You know, I probably could have went to one of those bigger schools, but who knows, you know, what would have happened. So that's how I ended up at Ball State. Wow. That's
0: big. I mean, coach, mentor, and yeah. he, he said, "Hey, fuck yeah. we do? I'm going. Hey, I'm, I'm I'm going to Ball State. So now you get there. You get to Ball State. College yeah. life, like you said, you young, but you sit at the crib. Yeah, you do your thing, and you get freshman of the year. How was yeah. that? It, you know, because you know, I, you know, pose. You know how we grew up in the Midwest. See, I never got a chance to go to a
1: basketball camp. I was a, really a street ball hooper. So all I played was in dust bowl tournaments, so, all these type of tournaments where." In, in each one of your city, like each of these cities, you go get your best 10 or eight and you meet at this tournament and we're going to play. That's all I ever knew growing up. So you're going to have pros on teams, local legends, guys who did not make it, you know, all that type of stuff. So that's where I got seasoned at. So when I'm playing against these guys, grown, as playing overseas and pros and I'm killing them, winning MVP of these tournaments, my, my confidence was through the roof. So by the time I got the, ball state that I'd already been hooping with him, I was like, okay, I know what it's gonna be here. I'm killing these dudes. It ain't even no rap. So I just kind of just locked in. Coach gave me an opportunity from day one to start and I just never looked back. And I, I remember, you know, we played a big game against Gary Trent my rookie year. And Gary Trent, he was the you know, he was the man, the shack of the Mac. He you that's know the Mac you know, that's my boy shout out to Gary Trent man. Great brother and his son too, Gary Trent Jr. Um, but, uh, you know, he was the guy, we had a big game against him, I ended up having 40 points against him, and we beat him, and all the scouts was there to see him, but then they left talking about me, so that gave me my first, like, itching, like, dang, this could be a reality, you know, playing some ball for a living, because, you know, you, you never know, because it wasn't no internet back then. It wasn't anything you could really check your stats, so, you know, that was my first really, like, you know, like glimpse, of, like, okay, maybe I could be good, and then the freshman of the year came, so that's when it kind of was like, okay, it's on now.
0: So freshman of the year, and by you balling, you put Ball State yeah. <laughs> on the map. You know what I'm saying? You put them on the map. Now you have an NCAA tournament run. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sure you watch it, you know, as growing up, you watch it on, on TV. Yeah, You know yeah. what I'm saying? And you get in the national championships. But then how was that experience for you coming from, you know saying, so playing at Ball, Ball State and then the career you had? Putting them on the map, and now you get your first taste of the NCAA tournament. How was that experience for you? Well, it was, it, it was different, you know. Because I, you know, I, I was kind of nervous because we you know we got a chance to play
1: against Arizona State. You know, they had Big Mario Bennett and you know Ron Riley. They had some really good players back then. And you know, I was nervous, and it was funny that we played in the Pyramid in Memphis. You know, our, our, our first game, and I was like, "Wow, I can't believe we're playing in the Pyramid!" So <laughs> that was crazy, but it was nerve wracking. But I knew like I said, I had a mindset that I've already been killing grown men in my hood and and from all from hood to hood from Indiana. So I was confident I didn't care who I was playing against. And that so when I played, I think I ended up about twenty and ten against them as a freshman. And and that's when I was like, Okay, if I have a big summer, I'm gonna come back next year and really, really, really do my thing. So I was excited that, that that we got a chance to make a little run and you know, we lost or whatever, but the confidence for me, you know, put me on a whole other mind frame where I was thinking, like, okay, I, I, I could take this to another level.
0: So, Ball State, you know, you have other players in that conference, uh, yeah. notable NBA players, Ron, you know, Ron Harper. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, Man, Harp. Yeah, Harp. And you broke his, what, his scoring scoring record or something in the conference or something like that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know it's uh you know we had some really good, pretty good pros that came out of there. You know Dan Marley came out of there, Chris Kamen, Wally Zerbiak, Earl Boykins. Um, you know obviously Gary Trent, myself. You know it was, it, it, we had a lot of good guys. Uh, Ron Harper. I mean a lot of good guys that came out of the MAC, and it was very very talented back then. And you know to get a chance to break Harper's record was big for me and my family. And you know you know it's, it is it is. You know, I think it's a record that's never going to be broken because people don't stay in school (laughs) consistently for four years anymore. So, you know, they transfer and they're doing all this different stuff. So I think that might be a record that's going to stay forever. But I'm just thankful. But it's just. You know I put in the work, it wasn't easy. You know, people think, you know, going pro was easy for guys like us pros, but they don't know the, the work that we put in and all the all this all, all the trials and tribulations and the, you know, being very lucky and blessed that we survived, you know, the gauntlet to get to the league. And, right. you know, I was very thankful that I was able to do that, man. And, you know, just coming out of Little Muncie, Indiana, you know, support system is not, you know, it is it, great. But you know, we got a local mindset. We ain't never been worldly, so you know, I was thankful that I was able to make
0: it. So, do you still keep up with, with the numbers there at Ball State? Because, right, I mean, you said two thousand three hundred seventy seven points. Yeah, you led the MAC all four years in steals, and yeah. then with, you know, I mean, what you what you ended with three hundred forty seven steals, and then point wise, what sure. two thousand four hundred eighty five points. Some some light yeah. pose. It was light. <laughs> and you got your jersey retired.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and and I got yeah, that. And I, I got
1: and I got that back there. Most important, got, I got that, that Got that degree yes, back there. Yes, yes. Got that degree back there. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a little big pose. Honestly, man, I remember the day. You know, they told me that's gonna retire my jersey, and you know, I kind of knew it in the back of my mind, but it's still humbling when they say it. And I just, you know. I remember walking out there with my son and I just remember my father, my mother, my father, my family. It was just so excited because that's our family name. You know what I mean? It just didn't say Bonzi up there. It said Wells. And and, and as you know, Pose, it, it, it takes a village. You know, so many people that helped me along the way, obviously family, friends, but for the most part, you know, my family name is going to be in the rafters forever. And it means a lot to me. And, you know, and, you know, every time we go into the gym, you know, or, or somebody send me a picture that they see it, man, I feel good because, you know, you get acknowledged for the hard work, man, and just it's a blessing, man. It's, it really is.
0: Yeah, it is. I know you spoke of it earlier, too, but and you was talking about the competition-wise and where you feel like, you know, uh basketball being a way of uh, a life and, and a, a means of living for you as well. Yeah. But do you remember a particular game or moment when you was like, man, I'm going – got to go to the league. I know I'm going to the league. I think you don't bust somebody's ass or something like that, or you just – Put in work you just knew that that was a another like yo i, I gotta go to the league now
1: yeah let, let me tell you how great i am Paul. so so you know coming off my freshman of the year right i come back my sophomore year bro you know I'm, you know i'm hood nigga you know i ain't never been nowhere you know what i'm saying i only been you know i only been in my hood so i don't know shit right so my next year i, I averaged like 25 10 11 nation and steals you know i went all the player of the year in my conference, so one of the, the general manager for the Pacers come down. He had a meeting with my coach, and he was like, listen, man, mind you, when I'm thinking general manager, I'm thinking manager, the motherfucker who picks up our bag. <laughs> like I, I, I'm telling him, hood. I don't know nothing. Hood. I'm right. him, bro. So so I'm just like, I'm looking at this dude and was like, listen, if you come out, I'm a sophomore. He's like, if you come out, I don't care. We're we going to have a high pick in the lottery. We're going to pick you no matter what. So I'm just looking at him, and my coach in the background kind of cheesing like, I told you, like, yeah, yeah, I'm just kind of looking at him. I'm just like, okay, yeah, that's cool. So, you know, he walked out or whatever, and I look at Coach. I was like, man, they go – I was like, man, how the hell are they going to send the general manager out here? They ain't going to send the coach or the president out here? I'm like, I'm mad. I'm mad. I'm like, man, they said it was the manager?
0: Right? <laughs> what
1: are <you> about? So, <laughs> I was like, Coach, I'm cool, man. If they want me this year, they want me next year. And Coach looked at me like – Bons, are you sure? He's like, no, for real, you can leave and this is 96, you know, 96 draft. You got Iris and you have to they still talk about that draft to this day. So right. I'm kind of like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, you know, man, that draft is thick. You know, you got cold in this month, all you know. So, you know, back then, you couldn't just leave early. You had to average 30 back then to even think about leaving early. So right. I was nervous and I was like, you know, maybe next year's draft would be better for me. I go higher. I didn't know. So next year I did my thing or whatever, but you know, that that was the greenest thing I did, pose like. The general manager, bro. Man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh hell no! Nah, no. Nah. that's some funny shit right there. That's some I'm funny you, shit. man. So, but 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 do you know, but when he said that after that, that's when I
1: you know really got on my mind like yo, this this pro shit could be a reality. Like like I could really be a pro.
0: <laughs> oh man, that's some funny ass shit right there. I'm telling you. I, Doing work. Now your opportunity comes. You drafted number 11 pick by the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. It's right next door for the most part, but you don't get to show up in the Pistons. You get traded to the Portland Trail Blazers. Yeah. So what was draft night like for you, and who was with you at the draft? How did they go? What did you wear? What kind of suit did you have on, man? Pose, I mean,
1: pose, pose. Listen, don't play with me, because I know you setting me up. I know you still pose. i listen, man. Hey, listen. It's still a running joke about how trash my suit was but let me tell you, first of all let me tell you where I got my suit from because I'm a good nigga and I'm going to tell you what it is Bruh, I ain't never left Indiana before so when it was talking about getting drafted we was like shit, so my pops you know he got a, you know Indiana got a Detroit type flavor with the big suits the colors, the big hat <laughs> so my pops had this spot in, in, in the south side of Chicago and there's no disrespect to anybody when I say this but I, I think they used to call it either Jewtown or Juketown or something like that so, so we went up there, this on the side side, this on the hood. So we go to this hood spot. We got, you know, he got suits on the rack and all this stuff. He's got to go through I, mean, I bought, I bought a suit and I was like, let me get the Michael Jordan cut. When he put the big shoulder pads on me, all this shit, it was the trashest suit maybe in the history of the draft, bro. So, you ain't know if you ever played
0: basketball or football,
1: man. <laughs> I, 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 I remember, cause you know, so, so, so we get, so we get invited through the draft, right? So I take my mom, my pops, my homies, my coach. You know, so my sister. You know, we all go out of the drafts in Vancouver, Canada. We've never been nowhere. So we all got to get passports. We got to do all the shebang. So we we, we go and and we get drafted. I just kind of just, I mean, before we got drafted, I'm kind of just seeing all the guys and how they're rotating. and, and, And I remember we had to walk down for the draft, and I saw everybody's suit, and I'm like, dang. Them dude's suits look sweet. Like, yeah, like, you know, got, you got know Vince them over there, like, yeah, we got Armani, you know, Paul Pierce still like, yeah, we got boo boo I'm over here looking like, man, I got mutini, like right. <laughs> <Brutini>. <laughs> right. some, some blame, but but you know what I'm saying, but I just sat back and said to myself everybody and everybody ain't been in these seats and they had a chance to be in this green room to get drafted, so I don't care what I got going on. They could laugh at me forever, but I got drafted. And, it, you know, it was it, it was it was really cool, man, to kind of have my family there. And I just remember, you know, leading up to it, you know, just kind of a couple of days of just the media and the run of it and really not knowing where I was going to go. Stuff like that. You know, had a photo shoot and just kind of just talking amongst the guys because, you know, we had our whole future and our lives ahead of us. And, you know, to get invited to the draft, you knew you was going to get drafted. So we were just like where are we going to go to? And we were just kind of just talking, just excited, man. And I just remember how outside I was from my parents, my mother, and my father, man, because, you know, they, they grew up hard. And I was just excited that I was going to be able to change a lot of lives, not only in my family, but in our community. And then it, it was just – it was exciting times.
0: Man, that's – it's funny that you say that. I mean, your suit, man, I had a little hand-me-down suit from Tyrone Hill. I was, you know, he, <laughs> up in the he went to Xavier, too, all-time great at Xavier. He he had dropped had in like a bag of suits down there, right? I was yeah. going through the bag, you know what I'm saying? I just picked some out. It didn't even fit. I, didn't really <laughs> I love green. The the sleeves was long as hell. That's the first time I really had to dress up for anything, so I had to put a tie on and everything. I remember the thread and stuff was coming out the little cuffs and everything. (laughs) But you couldn't tell me nothing. I was sharp. I was coming you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm at at the drive. I'm sitting there everything. And like you said, I'm looking at people, too, like, damn, they they shit fit. It's it's, it's, everything. And I just got that shit out the plastic bag because T. Hill done dropped the joint off. Yeah, man, just sitting there like you couldn't tell me nothing. I was like, "Shit, I'm about to take it all in though with my little olive green suit on." You know, yeah, I'm telling you, you man. know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> my suit cost two hundred dollars. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> two hundred. man, that's some funny shit. So after, so what did you do after after the draft? After no, you got your name. You know, you do the media and everything. What did you do?
1: No, was crazy. So, you know, we got drafted. So, uh, you know, you kind of after you get drafted, you shake the commissioner's hand and then you kind of do your little media gambit. So then I go sit kind of in in, in the Pistons kind of little area where it was kind of like a little war room. So we was like, hey, we're going to stay and we got a second round pick. Help us pick them. And I didn't really know nothing about it. I remember looking on the sheet and I said, hey, what about that, that, that young kid that's coming out? Corleone Young. And we ended up. They were like, "Yeah, we're getting him." And ended up drafting him, and you know, and, and and then he was like, "Well, say goodbye to your family because we got to leave on a red eye tonight." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" I like, "I just got drafted. We can't party." He was like, "Nah, we got a press conference in the morning." So I said goodbye to my family. I like just bring my stuff home, and I took a little bit of a bag, and I flew to Detroit that next, you know, that that night, and I had an all night flight from Vancouver to Detroit, so I didn't get a chance to party. Damn. Which was suck was The shack was there. My homies told me it was the liveest party they ever been to in the whole entire night. They was caught. I was so mad by the time I got home. The beeper or whatever was, was, was lit. And they was like, man, well, you know, Mr. Man, it was the best thing ever. And I was like, man, how the, how the hell y'all get to enjoy my draft party? And I didn't even get to enjoy it. So, but you know, we, were, we, we had
0: our time, trust me. <laughs> we had our time.
1: That's funny. So now <laughs> the whole business
0: side of basketball kicks in. Yeah. Traded to Portland. How was your emotions then? And you was like, damn, already I ain't even, I ain't doing nothing yet. And I'm getting traded. Like, what I do? You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, I mean, it, it, of course, for you, like you said, I mean, just coming in, family experience, the whole thing. And that was the business side of things. I mean, it's yeah, always yeah. good to be wanted, but still, professionally, now you get traded. you like, shit, what's, what's going on? How did that feel? And how did your family feel about it? Well, it was
1: different because right after I got drafted, it was crazy. We had a lockout the next week. So I had a lock. came in a lockout year, so we was locked out. We, I got drafted June 24th. We got locked out July 1st. And you couldn't have no contact or anything with your team, no nothing, until the lockout was over. So I had just got drafted, knew what I was getting drafted to. Kind of, you know, back then they had the slots of money, so I knew that I was going to get paid. So I had six months of just turning up. And I was just, lit. I was at school, I was throwing parties every week. You couldn't tell, you know, I had all this, I had all this new shit. I had money, my, you know, everything was all good. I just had a six-month party fest where I was just going all through Indiana. And if you knew me, you got a chance to really see me up close because I was partying with you. And it was just a great times. And then it came around January, I remember Detroit called me, you know, they was like, hey, you know, we're, lockout may be over, but just stay home. And I'm like, what, 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 what happened? Like, like, it scared me. And I'm like, are y'all cutting me? And it was like, no, but we're 99% sure we're trading you. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, distraught, like, man, dad, go on, you know, Detroit, three hours from the crib. Family can come check, check me out and shit. So I'm like, man, this is this is a perfect setup. My roommate from Detroit, I mean, sorry, from college was from Detroit. Perfect setup. And then he was like, well, I said, where are y'all trading me to? He was like, well, we don't know. So then he called me about a day later and he said, man, we're trading you to Portland. Here I am, green and hood again. I'm thinking Portland, Maine. Uh, I'm tripping. I'm like, man, I don't, I, don't really, I, I know where Portland is, but I'm really just so fabregas. I'm like, damn, I'm going to Maine. I said, man, hold up, I'm tripping. I'm going to Oregon. So, so then I then I said, hold up, I'm going to Oregon. Mind you, I've never left home before in my whole entire life. You know, everything has been, you know, high school, college, everything has been in Muncie. You know, my ball state is actually ten minutes from my crib. I could walk there. So. I was like, "Damn, I'm going to Portland, Oregon." So I was, I was distraught for a minute, and then I, my homies just kind of just like, "Man, they got a hell of a roster, man." You looked at their roster, and I got to looking at the roster, and I was like, "Oh, oh, shit!" It was intimidating. So I remember I got traded out there, and I remember the first couple, um, first couple days, I couldn't practice because you know when you do trading, you know how they go, the paperwork, or the guy got to show up, pass a physical, all that stuff. So I had to wait a couple days before I could practice, and I just remember watching. You know, I come early do my individual workout, but practicing, I couldn't do it. And I just remember watching, and they, you know, mind you, they had kind of like a who's who of basketball back then. You know, at Damon Stoudemire, Greg Anthony at the point. You know, yeah. Jr. Ryder, Jimmy Jackson at the two. You know, Walt Stacy, Stacey Altman at the three. Sheed and Brian Grant at the four. Jermaine O'Neal, Sabonis. Like, we had so many good dudes. So, I, And mind you, this training camp, so we had about another six other dudes that was really, like, tenured NBA players. So I'm sitting on the sideline like, man, I don't even know if I can even even handle this. And I remember I finally unleashed me, let me practice, and I was kind of passive at first. And, you know, once I got comfortable and the guys started showing love and kind of giving me the confidence, like, yo, you belong, you can play, that's when it kind of, kind of got, you know, started, you know, got smooth for me. But at first, I'm not going to lie, I was scared to death because they were pro-pros, and these were the first time in my life that I really met some real pros. Like, I never met pros until I went pro. So this was like a different world for me.
0: Right, so you step into that locker room, man. You just named, hey, you just named some baller <laughs> motherfuckers on that roster too. Yeah. So come in. I can see why you was intimidating and probably shy and everything too. Yeah. So how did, how was the practices for yourself? And when did you say like, you know what, I respect them as, you know, as, as vets and guys that did their thing in the league, but I'm yeah. here to, I, I want some playing time too. And yeah. now, you know, my moment, you know, I can wait a little bit too, but I'm still going to bust the ass for the most part. Did you have a practice where you knew, like, okay, I belong here, and like I, I I understand my my role, and it's just a matter of time before I can take over? I I, I do because I you know, and, and, and as you know, and you and you know you you you've been
1: assistant coach in the NBA. Those assistant coaches can put can put some batteries in the guys' back and have you think you can really run through the wall. You know what I'm saying? Like, and we had one, you know, that was a real. Well, we had a few of them, you know, but the one that really was on me at first was uh you know, Coach 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 Bill Musselman, rest in peace, Coach Musselman. You know that that was my guy, and then we had another guy named Tim Gergerich. And Coach right. Gordon was the workout guy. Right. Coach yeah. Gordon was not playing. He, you know, he out there only woo you know what I'm saying? Come right. on, kid. You know, like, he, if you walk in looking crazy, come on, let's work the devil out your head, kids. you know, some bullshit. He, right. Right. he, you know, he real. So Gordon was like, you know, kids. so, you know, we go, we grinding. You know, he had me come early, stay late, we grinding. He kept telling me, like, kids, you can play. Coach Muscleman was like, hey, kids, you can play. Like, you can play, play. And I was like, okay, and Then one day I had a practice. I mean, I had a workout. You know how the rookies, we got to come in early before the vets kind of. So I was loose. I had a good workout. One of the vets kind of came out there with me. We doing our one-on-one shit. I'm murdering him. He couldn't even really um, get doing get on the my vet, court. man? But well, you know, my vet, I got, you know, you got Jimmy Jackson. You got She, I mean, sorry, J.R. Which one was
0: you giving the business to, man? I mean, it looked like, you know, I, once I
1: started scoring on Jimmy, I was excited because Jimmy was somebody I looked up to from Ohio State. He was from the right. Toledo area. I love Jimmy Jackson's game. So once I got a chance to start scoring on Jimmy, I was excited. And then Jr. was just a different athletic beast. You know, Jr. was strong. He was quick. He could jump. So once I, you know, I was like, okay, I'm scoring on Jimmy a little bit. You know, he going back at me, but I'm scoring on him. Okay, I can compete. Let me go to Jr. And it was like one practice. I went at both them because you know back then you know you had three fives yes you know back then you had fifteen man rosters and then now they you know, only got twelve or thirteen so we had a solid three fives so I was on that third I was on that third one <clears throat> and we got to doing that continual you know that continual you know that five you know this five off, this one we we had one of them. And I, would, you know, we got the rolling. Me and Jo got the rolling. Me and Jo got the. You know, we wasn't third. We wasn't playing. We just got the rolling and got on their ass. And then we just got getting on their ass. And me and Jo was building our confidence every day. Me and Jo was one, and them motherfuckers to death. <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? And <laughs> then we had we had old school Gary Grant, GG. He was our point guard. He out there just going getting his But go ahead, young fellas. And he just throwing it to us. We out there killing them dudes. And that's and then that, and then that summer I remember. Uh, the general manager came to me and was like, listen, if you have a good summer in the summer league, we'll make something happen for you. Bet. Mm-hmm. So this is when the summer league was in Long Beach. So I went to Long Beach, averaged about 30, got an MVP, mm-hmm. and then they was like shit. It was like, oh shit. And then I went to Salt Lake City, did the same thing. And then I, you know, you know, they made some moves. They ended up trading JR and Jimmy and bringing in Steve Smith to kind of, you know, he, it was his spot, but he mentored me and groomed me for the spot and you know, they just thought I needed, I guess, different type of guys around me. And Smitty was a great guy. I and mean, then they brought in Smitty. That next year, they brought in Scottie Pippen. They brought in uh, Dennis Shrimp. I mean, they brought in a lot of veteran guys that next year, man, which, which really made it, you know, it was on then.
0: So before you got there, you know, and you probably caught the tail end of it, if not just a little bit, you know, the reputation of the players that they had out in Portland. <laughs> yeah. You know, what I'm saying? And, you know, guys getting in trouble. No, I was, in the, I was in the middle so of, the of the that shit. I was in the middle of that shit. Huh? I was in the middle of it. You <laughs> middle, so, you know, they they attached that that jailblazers to you. You know what I'm saying? And, of yeah. course, you know, you, you like shit the fuck jailblazers, but that's how the community felt, and that's what the rep was for you. How did you – I mean, what was the talk in the locker room about it? You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm sure you guys, you know, didn't like it, but what was the talk in the locker room about it? How did you feel? You like shit, you know, being, being grouped together – yeah. For the jail players, like in the league? like come on, like what was the talk like? How did you feel about it, and what was y'all trying to do to change it?
1: I mean, see, you, you got to think back then, pose. We didn't have no voice. You know what I mean? Like if you said anything towards the league or anything, you get that fine. What do they call it conduct detrimental to the league or to the team. Yeah. So guys were scared to even address anything back then. We don't. We didn't have the platform these kids have now. These you know, and, and you know, hats off to them, but. You know, they used to call us all the stuff, but we all knew what, we knew what the fuck it was. we in Portland. You know, and I, and I love Portland. Portland was a great city, but it's certain realities that's, that's real in Portland. So I know it rhymes with trailblazers and saying that, but we had an all African-American team. And ain't none of us really, really been to jail. Now, don't get me wrong. We might have smoked some weed and, and got pulled over with driving license, but man, that, that's nothing. We never really did anything. only person that really got in some trouble, that was Ruben Patterson before he came to us. And, you know, and, and Rube was, you know, that was, I don't know really what happened with that, but Ruba's a great guy. He was a great addition, but that's how they started kind of linking that all together. And then, you know, Rashidum and got pulled over him and Damien in, in, in the yellow Hummer smoking some weed. Man, please. Like, that, it, it was just like the stereotype. And we was just so mad. But, we, but in reality, though, we really didn't give a fuck because it gives us street cred too, because we always like being the villains. Like, like, we used to tell people, like, the Lakers are the good guys. No disrespect to them, but they were the good guys. We are the bad guys because it, it, it ha- you have to have both, and we were okay playing the bad, bad guys. We used to go get booed everywhere, everybody, ah, ah, ah but we going to come bust your ass every single time y'all saw us coming because we all had some real hoopers. We would just knew we was against the system. We felt like we were against the system. We was a small market, and the NBA didn't want people like us winning championships because we might not have represented them well. Was it true? We don't know, but that's how we maybe it felt back then because we didn't feel like we got the fair shakes, the media was on us, the referees was on our ass heavy. Like, it was just a lot of negatives that wasn't creating positives, and you know, at the end of the games for us, and it was tough.
0: Shit, that was back, hey, that was back then. Now, shit, they smoking, puffing anything nowadays. It ain't nothing now. They ain't saying that bad about it now. So I guess y'all was a little bit ahead of y'all time, I guess. Yeah, you, know,
1: you know the crazy shit about it,
0: though? You know, like, the
1: this is the crazy thing. They used to vilify us about, yo, y'all smoke weed, this, this, and that. We used to be like, bro, y'all love Bill Walton. And he a motherfucking hippie. <laughs> he walk around here, man, You he big red, big random man! Shout out to Bill Walton. We love Bill Walton, man. He a real one. But still, right? he, he go to the Break for concert, he might be popping ass and all that shit, and y'all over here geeking it, And we over here, y'all motherfuckers because they don't smoke the blunt. Like like I used to try to tell the NBA. This is where I got it fucked up at. Y'all want to take weed out the hands of us which Mary Jane is the best babysitter you could ever find. And, but you want to take that away and have people go to the club drinking and partying or whatever to unwind and relax. Y'all got it backwards and we used to try to tell them that they're like, nah, that's a drug. Man, who done died from it? Tell me one. I'll wait. But y'all want us to go drink some alcohol? So that was kind of like... You know what we used to fight a little bit. And, you know, guys, are like we don't like it was just a, it was just a weird time. But you know, we're so happy now that
0: they got the proper information to understand that it ain't that, and they allow guys to be themselves. Right, right. I mean, you just mentioned it earlier about the Lakers being the good guys and y'all being the villain for the most part. I see it in back. You got a little painting. I think back there, oh, you and man, cold. Yeah. You know, yeah. Tell us about those little, those matchups back there going against the Lakers back then when you had both beats, you had Cole and you had Shaq down there. You know what I'm saying? How was that? And then losing in the Western Conference final. Like, yeah. how, how was that? But those, just those battles. Tell me about that. Do you remember going against Kobe, you know, talking shit or whatever it may be? <laughs> Tell us about some about, you know, a little bit about that. You know it's crazy,
1: man. I, I and as you know me, Pose. You know I, I I talk shit before we tip off and after, but you know during the game, you know we wear your status, and that's kind of how Kobe was. We just competed, man, and I, and I and I loved it. And you know, you know, you know, Pose as as a, as a wing player, it's a couple players that during our era that we had to kind of match up against and kind of test our skills and see if we can go against them. Like you know, you had the Kobe's, the T Max, you know, the Vince Carter. Those guys were you know you know tops of the top Ray Allen's. Those guys so. You know, when we really had the matchup with Kobe, I just knew that was my job. Everybody had a job. And my job was to guard Kobe, and we had to guard Shaq by committee. And you know, Scott, what I loved about Scottie Pippen is that in Rashid Wallace, there's some of the greatest team defenders that you could ever ask for. And pose, and, you know, at, you know, defense is everything, especially if you got some guys behind you telling you where to, you know, pressure up, push him this way. Yeah, and that's yeah. what I loved about our team. That's what it was. So I was young, dumb. You know what I'm saying? Didn't know nothing about what I was even a part of, and they were just like, 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 like a a dog. Go get him, Bonzi. Go get him. Follow him everywhere, and that's kind (laughs) of what it was. Yeah, that's kind of what it was. And Pip was like, bro, go, go get him. Follow that motherfucker to the locker room. Everywhere he go, you shady, and you, and you send him to us." And that's kind of what it was. And I loved about Kobe. You know, we, man, we used to try to fuck Kobe up in a good way. You know, you know, not not trying to hurt him, but just trying to make him feel us. And you know, Kobe went. He wasn't dealing until he got, you know what I'm saying, until the end of his career. But, you know, we, we felt like he was a little light and that was our only defense against him. You know, he had he was excellent footwork, great shooter, competitive fiber was off off the charts, you know, like it's only a few things that that, that, that you can find against Kobe back then that were deficits and you know, him not be as strong as one of them, and that's what we try to do. We try to make our offense our best defense, and that's in terms of posting him up, going for every rebound, running, banging him, leaning on him, just trying to do whatever you can to try to wear him down in the fourth quarter. And, and, and that's what it was against Kobe. And, and you know, playing against Shaq, man, you know, I wish I wish Shaq got a chance to really go against a young Sabonis and see what he really could have done against him because You know, Shaq got a great chance to bully Sabonis a little bit and kind of just, you know, do his thing. And he was the he was the saving grace for the Lakers back then. But our our team, all in all, was just it. it We should have won at least two championships with that team, maybe even three if they would have kept us together because we had such a great team. But it was just the mindset of management wasn't on the same place of reality of what we needed.
0: So now let's talk about these forty five points. Yeah. You got in your bag. You showed your yeah, ass. Yeah. How was feeling on that stage against the
1: Dallas Mavericks? Man, it was crazy because, you know, the Mavs they had us down. Should we? You know, that was a great series. They had us down 0-3, and we came back and won three in a row, and we should have won that fourth game for game seven. But this was game two. You know, game one, Dirk had beat us. Dirk had like 46. He had murked us. You know, Dirk was just in his bag. And then game two, Pip got hurt, so he wasn't playing. And then Derek Anderson got hurt like the second play. So it was like, man. So then I I always love playing against the Mavericks because I've always felt like I had a great matchup against Michael Finley. I just felt like he wasn't, you know. I love Mike. That's my man. But I feel like I was felt real comfortable playing against him, you know, in terms of favor for me. So I, I just got the rolling, and you know how it is, Pose. Once you see a jumper go down, and you know another one go down, the next thing you know, you know I'm not I'm I'm more of a shotter than a shooter. So you know I I you know I hit you know me I'm a shotter you know two T's. You know, I you know I don't hit six seven threes. You know, I got my midi, I got my midi working. I got going to the hole. You know how you know when I get that. You know how I am when I start get that pivot. And that, that 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 huh? You know, I had a few dunks on them. His free throws. The next thing you know, it's at forty five. And you know, it actually we ended up losing. You know, down the stretch. But man, it was a, a it, it felt good to kind of you know kind of put it together. But I was sick that I didn't I didn't, I didn't get to um, put it all the way together and get that dub.
0: Man, that. I... <laughs> Hey, if you put in work like that, you got to get the dubs. got to get the doves. Because you know everybody, everybody watching. Huh? huh? What you say? I said, because everybody watching. I know. I, I know. So it don't it don't really count. I don't
1: really talk about it. My kids be hype, and they'd be like, oh, Pops, she were balling. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But deep down inside, I'd be like, man, that don't count, man. Don't count it,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got to. I got to. I got to a Bonzi or a Be Weezy quote. <clears throat> <laughs> I black out sometimes. What was that about? <laughs> what was that about? Man, if you know anything about
1: me, man, you know, I'm not going to say anything that comes to my head, man. But, you know, you know listen, it's all in fun and games. You see, the media, they didn't understand I played too much. You know, what <laughs> I mean, they always like, oh, Bonzi a thug. Listen, that. like listening that now, fam. I might just say something, just sporadically playing, but then, you know, they don't know how to take it. So that was just kind of why I was like, man, I black out sometimes, man, and just say silly stuff, man. But they kind of just took it, the quote, and like, oh, he said he blacks out. And I was like, ah, the media, God, they know how to manipulate words and kind of handle you a certain way. So that's kind of how they did I me. Mean, they kind of just, you know, took the half quote.
0: Now that, I heard that. I said, oh, this, <laughs> man, this man wild right here. This man wild right here. Sure.
1: Now, that wasn't worse than the quote when uh, the, the, the Sports Illustrator bull came, and, and, and I don't know if you remember that, when he, when, when he read the Sports Illustrator, that and I said, I hate the fans. And that was my dagger that got me to Memphis. <laughs> that was the last straw yeah. with them because it was crazy. The Sports Illustrator guy, I remember that clown came, and it was just when we was at the height of the jailblazers, we wild, we crazy. So he, I remember he was just snooping around, just trying to come in and find a story. So he's trying to be cool and kind of ask guys little slick stuff and trying to set them up and all that shit, right? So he asked me a question. So he had came to a game the night before and he asked me a question. He was like, well, you know, how do you feel about the fans when they be booing you sometimes? And I was like, man, you know, I hate when they boo us, man. You know, it's tough, but we deserve it sometimes. Didn't put none of that in there. He literally wrote, Bonzi Roy said he hate the fans. And I'm talking about for the next three weeks. I if I even poke my head in the rose garden, boo! <laughs> And, and and then I got traded to Memphis.
0: <laughs> you got traded to Memphis. I was already there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I love Memphis. You know what I'm saying? City great. The fans awesome. They just love some basketball. And you know, we was winning. And I was like, should we get in Bonzi? Got some scoring. I know he a BC a dog. So I was I was ready for Bonzi to get there. Yeah. but you know that that experience was 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 tough at first because we had yeah. a great Hubie Brown as our coach. Yeah. So if you know anything about Hubie, you know his system, I mean shit. You're going to play the first five. You're going to rock the first six minutes, or whatever. Then you got a whole shit. The next unit come in, the next five coming in. You could be 20 for 20. You better be <laughs> on your time up. Your ass is coming out and the next group coming in. Yeah. And that was just his coaching philosophy, but it wasn't for everybody. And it took a, a a lot of people, you know, time to get used to it, including myself. How did you, uh, what was your experience like with, with Hubie and then just his system as far as, you know, his substituting and stuff like that? Well, you know, it, it was, it was uh, the substitution was different, man. But you know what I appreciated about
1: Memphis for me, like when when I first got traded, Jerry West called me, man, and I was in a bad place in in Portland. Um Welcome, you know, with The great Jerry West, man, he called me, and you know I was getting booed every day in Portland, and it wasn't. I don't blame the fans like that. They were just misinformed, and they was just doing what fans do, and I respect it. But when, when 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 the Portland people tell you you traded, and then you get a call one second later, Jerry West said, "Man, I've been trying to get you for a long time." And we, want, we can't wait for you to come to Memphis it just changed my vibe man and and I, and i remember i got there and and, I, and we were, y'all wasn't necessarily winning yet you know what i mean we were still kind of you know, to winning that hasn't started yet you know it was early in the season and i remember i sat down with B. and what i respect about B brown and i love about Huey brown he's a straight shooter he ain't, he ain't bullshitting with you he looked at me and said listen I already know about all the shit in Portland. I don't even care about none of that. I care about how you do here. Come in here and go to work, and this is my system, and this is what we're going to do. And if you just come to your job, you're going to be cool with me. I'm not going to be stressing you and none of that bullshit. Just come to your job. And I respected him for that. And like just like he explained, the six-minute on, six-minute off, I thought it was going to be some bullshit, you know, at first. But then when he showed us his formula of, I got you know, the six-minute on, six-minute off with the rotation guys, if you win two, you know, out of the out of the out of the eighty-two games, if you win two out of three, you know, put them in three-game clusters. Win two out of three at home and one out of three on the road. You're gonna at least win forty-one games, and that's gonna get us in the playoffs. And we end up winning what fifty-some games that year with that formula. So it, yep. it it was really really cool. And what I liked about the polls, as you know, we was on the second unit. If you don't start, you always finish the games. So yeah. that was, you know, so so it was the gift and the curse. Okay? <laughs> You know, i, I fine. Mike Miller, you know, I love Mike Gunn-Stark. But when that?
0: time, then out there like, ah. Best time, for show. Sure. Hey, we lock it down. we getting buckets out of the fun. I wish we was a little pushing the boy wood. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, so like you said, you got that phone call from Jerry West. You know, I got the same one. And, and uh, Jerry West, he was like, you know, I loved you since college. And I remember him seeing me, uh him and Shaq came to see Xavier play uh Laurel Marymount out there in Mm -hmm. in Cali, I remember him sitting in the stands and I'm like, shit, that's that's Jay West, that's Shaq. But he was like, you know, I couldn't get you, but now I had the opportunity to get you. So they signed me to my first, you know, mid-level in Memphis. Yeah, I was like, man, shit, you know, that's the logo talking to me and he he wants me here. You know what I'm saying? And that's a great feeling. Now getting to Memphis, not even knowing too much about Hubie, you know, from afar, he's just an old coach. You know what I'm saying? Just an old coach, but not knowing his resume. You know what I'm saying? What he's done for the game of basketball and coaching, you know, and what I love about him, too. Straightforward. Like he said, he ain't, ain't going to bullshit you. It's black or white with him. No gray area. He's going to tell you how it is or whatever. And I used to like he used to heckle the fans back. Yeah. You know, what I'm he used to heckle the fans back, talk shit to him as well. But I was like, damn, he, he old, but he brought great energy to practice. To him, like a, like a, like, I, I mean, I know we practiced at 12 o'clock, but Hubie, hey, he brought great energy to practice. I was like, damn, shit. I mean, for him to be up in age, that motherfucker, hey, he got some good ass energy and shit like that. So, you know, from that point on, I was like, okay, I think yeah. we speak the same language. So, you know, he had, he had us rolling and balling at the end of the day. So it's always much love for Hubie for me. You know yeah. what I'm
1: saying? Hubie was great, man. Do, do, do you remember that day we was in the locker room and Hubie was shitty at me and Jay Will? And he was standing in front of the locker room. He was, and, and, and the whole team was in front of us. It was me, you, and Jay Williams to the left. And he was talking about, the, he was talking about us in third person to the team. And he was talking about him. He was coaching the Kentucky Colonels, and how you had guys on the team that was the Coke and Freebase guys. And he was like this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I'm dying like I, I looked at him. I said, "Man, you think we on Coke and Freebase?" <laughs> Like, come on, Huey, man. Like, like come on, Huey, like, yeah, man. Like, come on, Huey. Like, out, bro. That was literally one of the funny. Jay Will, you know, Jay Will, and, and, and you got to get Jay Will on People don't understand about my white chocolate, man. Chocolate probably one of the funniest dudes in the history of funniest people. When he used to do his impersonations of human right. man, you, got, you got me the cry right now thinking about the stuff Jay used to be on, man, because that stuff used to be hilarious, But when, when he did that to us, like, yeah, these guys.
0: Yeah. And man, you look like, why are you putting me with them? Like, <laughs> up together. Hey, there you go. Being love together, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 hey man, hey Jay Will, man. I've been trying to get Jay Will on. Maybe he'll fuck with me later, but you know, he be quiet, yeah. being a little cubby hoe. he be Yeah, like, her, yeah <laughs> you know how Jay
1: Will, man. If we get him more, we lucky, man, because he's a special person, man.
0: People really need to learn Jay Will, man. He's he's a one-on-one. So we get there, you know. Like I said, we picked up the winning from Memphis the city going crazy. Yeah we get that playoff bird. You know what I'm saying? The first, hey, the first in, in team history you get to the playoff had that run. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we and we, and we get swept. By <laughs> <laughs> the, was it the Spurs Whether it was it the Suns? No, it, nah, it, the Spurs, it was Spurs the first year and then it was the Suns the next year. But, I mean, we was the ones that started that run because they had went like, I think it was 11 straight years after yeah. we started it. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> I feel good about that. Like I said, for Memphis, like, to leave your mark on it, you know, shit, we started that run for them going to the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? I man. mean, they they did better than us because they started winning games at the end. But shit, we started that shit. You know what
1: I'm saying? Man, I I, I swear we did, man. I, and and I love that team, man. You know when I when I came from Portland, you know, it was my first time going to another team, so I was like kind of hesitant to even kind of you know kind of extend olive branches with y'all because I was so used to my dudes and my brothers in Portland. But then once I got to realize yeah, I was cool, like I started hanging with you, and then my brother Ren, man, rest in peace to my brother Ren, man. But man, just so thankful for Ren, man, and how he showed me Memphis, man. He embraced me. You know, he he let me know what it was, man. And, you know, and, and you know, we you know, Ren was just a special one, man. I you know, I miss him so much, man. And you know, with him and you know, and and, and Power of the Soul, he was coming up, you know, he was up and coming, you know, and and the thing with our job was posing was to give pal confidence that he could play and he was tough. And that's what I loved about our job back then is that we I remember I told Pal, if anybody fuck with you, I'm fucking them up. Right. Like, right, I remember mean, I told Pal that Pal looked like you. Yeah. You know, pa, yeah, like, yeah. you know that's my boy. You know, I call him Jungle Love. You know, he's like, you know, he like this, like his sisters back Russ. Right? Jungle Love, like my boy. <laughs> boy. Jungle Love, yeah, man. Pal so old man, good dude, man, excellent dude, man. It was so crazy back then. You know, Mark was young, but you remember Pal? He was so new to the states. His mother's parents used to drop him off at practice and shit. nice like, Yeah, oh, I'm like, damn, yeah, you ain't got no car. I said, "You ain't got no car." I'm gonna run practice. He was waiting outside. I got his phone. I said, "What you waiting on?" He's like, "I'm waiting on my mom." <laughs>
0: right.
1: Okay. <laughs> right. Right. But but yeah, man, it was it was good, man. But the city loved us, man. That's what I really loved about Memphis. The city embraced us. They with us heavy. You know, every time I went down the street. The premiere. The premiere. We got the club. We got the shake joint. You know, we in that mug. And what I love about Memphis, and they, they still do it today, is that they protect their players. They make sure they, they show love to. And you, you know, you feel the energy, man, and just make you want to go hard. And that's why I love Brian City down there, man. And 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 I hate that that, that they brought that fuckboy in that second year and messed it all up. <laughs> How, well,
0: they brought who in?
1: Fratello. Fuck boy. Mo- uh, Calling as Fratello. What?
0: Come on, man. What? What happened, man? What happened, man? I mean, I, I, to, totally different than Hubie. Totally, totally different than Hubie. Now you, you see, he came in. With, see, the thing wasn't
1: just to set it up. We had Hubie. Hubie went through some, you know, some health issues, and he had to abruptly kind of just end his career and he retired. So we kind of knew to play because we start seeing Mike Fratello coming through. So we didn't know Mike Fratello for nothing in the world. I remember he was coaching Atlanta back in the day, Cleveland, but I didn't know him. And in the way he came in, he came in letting us know that he didn't want to know us. He just wanted to select few guys that he was rocking with from day one and he wasn't fucking with us. Posey, you know, you felt it. I think, Pose, you might have been his guy on the fence a little bit. He showed you a little love, but guys like myself, Earl Watson, Stray Swift, he let us know that that six-on-six shit is done. D- these dudes over here playing 30, 36 and y'all playing, you know, the rest of the minutes. So get, so get used to it and and, and and that's why I hate about coaches like like him. Like you gotta be able to change with your personnel and you gotta be able to adjust. And that's why I love coaches like a like a like a like a Greg Popovich, who was a hard ass when you know early in his career. You saw this man evolve, he wouldn't even do interviews, he wouldn't even smile, but now he's probably one of the lovable, most likable player coaches that you ever can ask for in this. You can just tell he's just a, a dude that evolved and learned how to deal with people. And dudes like for Mike Rotello, he he know he wasn't on that. You know he judged guys like myself coming into the coming coming in and was like y'all not my guy. I can't coach y'all. I'm gonna mess with these guys, and they don't understand how that affects people's careers and stuff like that. Because that for me it became a long a, a, another coach that Bonzi Wells can't get along with, and you know how that shit is. Paul. once that shit go on your rap sheet, it's just yeah.
0: tough to get the tough it. to get job. Can't shake it. Yeah, yeah, man, shit, man. The the sent my man be home in the playoff game, man. Oh man, Pose. <laughs> what happened, B? Why you get sent home, man?
1: Because listen, man, and I, and I'm a real one. What had happened was Fortuno did the bullshit, and he wasn't playing none of us us real ones, and we was down 0-3. And what it was, Pose, you know what he did? We have, you know me, I ain't never been late for nothing. I walk into practice. And he had told y'all, everybody but me, that practice was early that day. He didn't tell me the shoot-around was early. So I walk in my regular time, and he's already addressing the team. So he was like, yo, I walk in, I'm, I think I'm whistling or singing a song. I don't know what the fuck I was doing. And he was like, hey, just going back over there. I'm like, damn, what, what happened? I thought somebody died or something. I thought something really, really happened. And he was like, you what pose. me. Like, "This go over there. So I remember... Um, then he was like, come to me, he's like, hey, man, Coach, just want you away from the team. Just, just go. And I said, what the fuck did I do? And I just remember walking out of there and I was feeling, what did I do? Did I bust his window?
0: Did I kick his car oh, in? We, we had the team room back there. You took a, a pool ball. Yeah. You that <laughs> I don't know what type of glass they have, bulletproof glass or something, <laughs> but I know that motherfucking ball came shooting through there, and nothing broke. Man, I was and you know, it was crazy.
1: So I was furious and I went out there and I think I, I, I might have kicked this window out or kicked this car. And I was, you know, and, and, and it was funny as hell. So I get home and I'm chilling and I got my kids and my family there and the doorbell rings and my son was like, Daddy, the police out here. Oh, <laughs> so he, he done called the police on me, bro. The, so he said he said our team security over there, Tim and Dennis, and they're like, hey, bro, <laughs> you can't even come to the game tonight because he feels, he's he, he scared for his safety. I said, huh? What are you talking about? He was like, hey, man, this man is scared to death of you. He don't even want you to be around because he thinks you're going to do something to him. And I just looked at him and I was like, man, you might be right. (laughs) And I was just like... I'm going to do that to him, bitch. Because he he had been handling me for weeks. You know what I mean? Trying to handle me and get me to do some shit. You know how them coaches play them games, like you know how they. Once they get to the media, the player is always wrong, and he know how to play the game. He a little fuckboy boy. Who know how to play the game, know how to word the shit, know how to position himself where it's always somebody else's fault. And that's where I was already in that crease. It's easy to put mark up a guy like me. I had a history, so he was so. So once he did that to me, it was easy to justify. Oh, I had to get him away from team. He was doing this and that. So when we got swept, they didn't even talk about getting swept. It was just all about me and getting me out of Memphis. And that's kind of how it started. And I was like, that's crazy to me because I really didn't even really, really do nothing. But he came in with an agenda. And that's why i like, like fuck Mike Fritello. I don't go, I don't give a fuck. I'm in the media world now. I can say fuck Mike Fritello. I don't give a fuck. He can't do shit to me. What he going to say? Fuck Mazi? Wells. he already said it. And then his actions. So I'm cool. Oh,
0: man. You
1: know, I'm a real man. Oh, man. Listen, I love this media shit now, man. We can say with the shit we ain't never get a chance to say.
0: Hmm. Hey B, you remember that night in Atlanta? We had the o- went to OT. We oh, almost died. Huh? We almost died. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <I> was... <laughs> hey, come on, B. Come <laughs> on. You're right. I said, why, I said, why are you over there breathing like that? You were... I said, man, you just had 40. Why are you? You, you don't play the best game in your life. Right? <laughs> hey, it was laid out of the bed. Hey, listen. I appreciate you. Listen, I appreciate you. <laughs> but, Hey, it, Hey, it was you. Hey, you were Jay Will, but I appreciate y'all. I appreciate y'all. Hey, we got the dub. We got the dub. Yeah, I promise that I was just to Coast Don't Die, man. I said, man, he played his heart out for real. <laughs> 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 oh, <man. laughs> Best feeling getting that dub, and then we got to stay over in the city, too. But yeah, we ain't going to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, crazy,
1: got me a tear the Memphis days, and I love Memphis, man. man same,
0: <laughs> Memphis. same here. So now, you know, dealing with all the stuff in, in Memphis, you end up, you, you get to go to Sac. Yeah, yeah. You know a, a new life, new opportunity, you know what I'm saying, to shape that whole Memphis situation and go to Sacramento and help them at the time, you know what I'm saying, like, Get there. You was a yeah. part of that team. You know, what I'm saying you had Ryan Artest on that team as well. I know that was i an accident. Have in itself, but yeah. how was that feeling to go there to, and get a fair opportunity to play and just to 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 revive like Bonzi's game? Like let them know, like I'm yeah. this motherfucker. You know what I'm
1: saying? Yeah, it was it was cool, man. And shout out to Coach Adamman and the Kings back then, man, because Coach Adamman was a real one, man, because he came in here like like on some like kind of like Hubie stuff. I don't care about all that bullshit, man. Just come do your job and, 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 and you go home. And so, you know, we, we had some cool vets on there. We had big, you know, we had Brad Miller. We had Corliss on that team. We had Sharif, you know, we had some really, really cool vets. And they was just like, Hey man, this is kind of like a country club around here. And I'm like, what you mean? So it was just like a cool environment. Then you had them lit ass owners with the Maloof brothers. They were so lit that they was just involved. And it was just a whole great vibe and the city of SAC was behind us. And it was just great. And, I man, you know, and then he was like, man, let go out there and hoop. So, you know, uh, you know, you know, Pete Carroll had you know, had, had his offense that we ran. It was a, a cool motion offense. It wasn't a whole lot of posting. It was just more like cutting and just, just moving out the ball. And it just opened up a different type of game for me that I was used to, and it was just fun. You know, it was freelance, wasn't no shot, a bad shot. As long as you play defense, it was fun. And, and, and I love sacking. I really wish I could have stayed there longer. You know, I hate I didn't get to stay there longer.
0: <laughs> so y'all had a nice little run. You know yeah. what I'm saying? the you know, playoffs and everything, you did your thing there. And you were supposed to, uh, I guess, we signed there. And, like, yeah. most players do, you're going to, you know, you're going to weigh your options to see what's out there for you. You know, yeah. word on the street was, you know, you wanted to come back, ride our test, offer, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, know, <laughs> give up my salary just to bring Bonzi back, which speaks volume. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, well, they sell you so you can sign back. And then you 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 don't sign back.
1: Yeah, that was – that was tough, and I and you know, and it's funny because I ain't never really talked about that shit on on camera because it still makes me shitty and I still be tight. But honestly, and this is the true story of really what, what really happened. This is around the time I was this is around the time when guys weren't really having agents back then. It was more like let's hire a lawyer to do the business and they look over the shit and we just hire lawyers. So I end up hiring this lawyer named um, William Phillips, this dude out of Detroit. So so this is just the true story. So. I had, I had a great playoff, so I kind of already had a market. Like, they was like, hey, you know, you're going to get between like 40 and 50 for five years or whatever. So I, I, I hired, you know, I had my team, I had my lawyer, financial guys, my family, whatever. We had we had a plan. we going to go in there and ask for a number. they going to say a number, and obviously you meet in the middle. This is just really the plan. So – I guess my, my lawyer Asian guy wanted to be, become super agent. So he wanted to go in there and ask for an astronomical number other, uh, other than what we were asking for. So and this is how it really happened. So we told him to go tell a number. He didn't get back to us for a couple of days. And they offered like 38 for like five years. And I think five for 38. Yeah, I think we was just like, shit, give us 50 for five years. And we was like in the middle at like 45, some shit like that. So that's what we think it was gonna happen. I don't know what the fuck he went in there and said, but I'm literally, bro, I miss that really how it
0: happened.
1: And I laugh at it now because I'm older and I, you know, I still you know be wanting to kill a motherfucker. But you know, I <laughs> you know, you know, I sit back and think about it. Um I remember watching Sports Center and you know the ticker at the bottom, mm. and I see Sacramento GF and it's going across, and I'm thinking they're about to say my name. You know, they say Sacramento Signs. And I'm thinking they're about to say my name like damn, I guess they agreed to the shit and it said GF John Salmon. Hmm. Mm. Five years, 30 something million. Wow.
0: Yeah.
1: Bruh. <laughs> wow. I called my motherfucking agent, that motherfucker. I told that motherfucker, man, if I see you again, I'm killing you. And hung up. And, they, and, and I was, and, and I hate to even say them words, but that's how I felt. I was on some murderous rage type shit because he, you know what I'm saying? You know how it is, Poe's. That money don't come like that. And for him to go in there and fuck that off, for me and my family and all that stuff, man, you know what I'm saying? That shit tough to recover from, man. That stuff is devastating. You know what I'm saying? I was on one for years, for years. like I didn't even know what I would do. Like, still to this day, I don't know what I would do if I saw him to this day. I don't know. I'm wild. I might still got some wild tendencies in me. Where I might just black out like we talked about earlier. I don't know, but it just hurts so bad because you know you grind and you put everything on the line, and then when you let somebody else's error fuck up your, you know, kind of your future. It was tough, man. But you know, I was, you know, blessed. You know, just been blessed that I was in it. You know, you got bread, but you know, that's forty million dollars, bro. That's a whole lot of fucking bread that, that 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 didn't come my way, man. So it was tough.
0: Nah, nah, you you in a better space now. You're in the better space. Yeah. We can't have you doing that, B. Wow. <laughs> sure we can.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm in I'm, I'm in a better space, man. I, you know, shout out to William Phillips, man. I ain't mad no more, man. I just, you know, all was, you know, God has been good, man, and you know, I'm on the other side of life, man.
0: So I mean, you don't get that. Things don't work out. You cut, you come, you sign with Houston for a couple of years, and you try, yeah. you know, how to get things back going. Man, you don't last Houston too long Do you go overseas and play in China. How was that China experience?
1: Man, I promise, man, I, I I wish I was ready for it mentally because I was, you know, because people don't understand, you know, first of all, China is a beautiful country. It's a lot of culture. It's a lot of stuff going over there, man. And, you know, when I see guys like, you know, my, you know, my brother, Stefan Marbury, I should have done what Stefan done and just really go over there and embrace the culture, be a part of, you know, the 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 era of the, that the CBA Chinese basketball association was trying to do in terms of get high level guys over there, you know, kinda, of, you know, bring a, a light to their their league. And I could have been the face of it starting because you know I was one of the real first real NBA tenure guys to go over there and you know, after getting kicked out the NBA and or, or not getting being able to get a job at the NBA anymore, it felt great to be able to go over there, man. And they, the fans are super; they show love, man. They support you, and it felt good. But I just wasn't ready for it mentally because I was like, "I'm an NBA dude. I'm an NBA player. I should be in the league," and you know, I, I, I shouldn't be over here. With no disrespect to there, but I just thought I shouldn't have been there because I felt like I still could play, and I didn't give it a chance.
0: So yeah, I mean, you have you have you know guys for the from the NBA and you know what I'm saying, I end up going over there or going somewhere else overseas to play. And, yeah. and it's it's already t- – it's tough for him. And yeah. like you said, I mean, you admitted it. Like, you like, shit, what am I doing over no, – what am I doing over here? I'm supposed to be in the league. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But like I said, with maturity it comes. And if you would have known better, you would have handled it different. Like, you know, Steph, he's been doing his thing over there. And they yeah. love him to death over there. He's winning championships. He's coaching. And, like, they just embrace his- embraced him just as a player and as a human being over there. Yeah. And that got. Guy- <laughs> A ton of people over there too, you know. And he's still teaching and you know preaching the whole basketball thing. Yeah. So now I know we spoke on it earlier about you know the pop, the podcast. Let's get technical with Rashid. What yeah. else you got going on outside of outside of that?
1: Man, you know we, we you know we coach man. You know I, you know you know how it is man. I've been this is my fourth year of coaching man. I finished my fourth season this past year man. And um, I coach high school. I actually got a chance to coach my alma mater. You know, I went to high school that man. So it's been, it's been great kind of mentoring the kids. And you know how it is, Poles, man. Like, you know, we grew up in, a, in the era, each one teach one. You know, we had an obligation to kind of, you know, help the next ones. And that's what I do. And, you know, and honestly, for me, you know, I, I know a lot of our kids from the community. I know their parents. I kind of know what they're, you know, what they're going through in life. And I just try to be there for them. And just like, like I said earlier, I didn't meet a pro until I went pro. So I try to, you know, come back and be, you know, tangible to these kids so they can talk to me, see me, touch me, whatever the case may be, to let them know stuff, shit can be real. Like, you can dream bigger, you can, you know, you can get out of this, you know what I'm saying, this crab in a barrel mentality. And that's kind of how those smaller cities have a crab in a barrel type mentality and people don't think they can get out. So, you know, I just be trying to just let them know, like, man, there's so much shit out there in this world, man, For you to strive to, man, you know, trust me, man, think bigger, dream bigger. So that's what I love about the coaching. And, you know, we were only 20 this year. We didn't win a game. We don't have one person getting uh, – got a letter from one school in America. But I still do it every single day because it's bigger than basketball. It's about life. You know, mentoring these kids, just trying to be there for them. And, you know, and – because somebody did it for me, you know. It was somebody that, that was in my ear that made me dream bigger, man. So it's just my obligation. That's why I do it. So I do a lot of that stuff all the time. I do public speaking. You know, I, I've been rocking with Stack, you know, Stephen Jackson a lot in terms of public speaking. And just getting out there more and just telling our story. And that's why I love the podcast. Because we can tell our story more on video. And then you can do it in person as well. So I really love this part of my life that I'm in. That's what's
0: up. I mean, we know your whole community loves you. They named yeah. the gym after you. Tell us about that. <laughs> how, do, how do you feel about having that gym named after you? Man, it was it was a community. It's a community gym I grew
1: up in. Playing like you know, it was you know, if you grew up in a neighborhood, you know, you had places that were safe havens for kids to try to do the right thing, and that was my place for me and uh, several other kids that just wanted to just have good, clean fun without getting involved in the streets and. I was thankful for it. I, you know I, I went from always a pee, from, from a peewee free lunch all the way through high school in that gym. so just thankful that they they recognized me and gave me an opportunity for my face to be on the gym and my name to be kind of on the gym and I, you know I don't take it lightly. I'm thankful and like I said, it's, it's bigger than me, it's about family and my community and we all you know are excited every time we see it. Speaking of
0: family, you got some other hoopers in your family too. you know <laughs> what what message do you get you know? Your boy's about playing a game, you know what I'm saying? Just the whole grind of basketball and, and pushing those guys. Like, what, what's your message to them? And who's the better shooter? Who's the better competitor? Pose, you're a father. You know,
1: our kids don't listen to us, Pose. So I have to tell you to tell my son some stuff because, mean you know how it is. It, you know, it's just like I tell these kids, man, like, you know, once we start watching you and looking at you, we know you can play. We just want to see how hard you play, your effort level, the paying attention to detail, how you prepare. Like we don't care about misses, makes. We don't care about ooh, he did a nice move and all that stuff. We want to see how you play the game, how hard you play. Do you care about this game? And I can coach kids to care, you know. But them kids, them, them, them kids that feel like they're entitled and I, the participation kids and the kids, you know, I, I can't handle them too much because. I can't I, I can't go in the foxhole with them when it's time to go to war because I know what they're gonna give me when it's when, when it's war time you know I, and that's what I'll be trying to tell my kids be them war ready kids and when your coach look at you he be like I ain't worried about him I gotta coach the rest of these guys because I know what I'm gonna get from him and that's what you wanna be when your coach look at you so that's what I'll be trying to tell my kids and all these kids my son he he is
0: sophomore too and I'm <laughs> coaching and work with him too. I'm telling them, and like you said, I gotta tell somebody else to tell him that, and then he'll listen too hard. Like, okay, then he'll do it. I'm like, yo, <laughs> I just... Yeah, so, <laughs> hey, I feel you, Honestly, understand. I'm trying to get better, and like, okay, just still take my time with it, but it is frustrating. Like you said, when you see it, you just like, yo, just get in and listen to me now. I'm, I'm your dad, I'm your dad, but they, <laughs> they don't get it yet. They, <laughs> they think I'm, all, I'm always in daddy mode, you know? That's yes, what it <laughs> is, they don't know how to, they don't know how to separate dad
1: and coach. And they don't understand. They're in reality, they're the same person because we care about you in real life. And they don't even understand. Like it's the same. Coaches don't care about you if they are real. Like we want to see the best out of you. And they they look at it as like, oh, that's like, oh, he made me make my bed, wash the dishes, and go shoot a hundred jumpers. <laughs> like, like, right. Like, tough life. Tough <laughs> life. My goodness. So, you know, I mean, it's tough, man, but, you know, it's the best job I've ever signed up for, man, parenting and, you know, like being a coach, as you know, you know, Pose, you know, you become, you know, a father to even more kids because, you know, you you love them and you want to see the best, you know, want to see the best come out of their life and, and want to see them bring out the best in them. You know, like, you know, I've been through the process these last four years and you got a chance to watch some kids grow, get better, you know, mature a little bit and, you know, watch some kids in college. And, you know, it's just been a
0: good ride. So you got you got some big exciting news going on over there. You you know, I don't know if I could break it, but I let you break it. Um, yeah. Tell us what you got going on over there.
1: Yeah, man. You know, we, we we podcasted, man, and you know, I we, we just finished our first season polls, like I said, and and we were just doing our podcast, just kinda just me and she we hired some guys to kind of help us and we didn't really want to get on no major platform, man, but you know, after you know Talking to people, careful deliberation. We decided to um, partner with Baller's Life, man. So Baller's Life has been a blessing to us, man, and, and they're giving us an opportunity and a platform to impact impact lives. And we're gonna have our same podcast on their show, but we're gonna do much more within um, the platform in terms of um, messing with the kids, highlighting the kids, being mentors for the kids, going to these tournaments and I'm a street ball guy and I love the fact that they 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 highlight these street ball guys too so it's just so many different avenues that we can do within ballers life we're very thankful man I'm I'm motivated where she's hella motivated to kind of just get out there and just be a part of the next generation of basketball man because you know after going through you know we just completed the Allen Iverson classic where we had the all-american I'm sorry Allen Allen Iverson all-american game and I was just gonna say this: our game is in great hands because these boys can really, really play the game. It's it's different than when we came out, but these guys are very skilled. They get it, and I'm very excited for the future of the game.
0: Man, congrats! Congrats! Keep doing your thing. Thanks, man. At the end, at the end of the show, I have a segment called Free Game. What free game can you give the people that's gonna see this and listen to this? It don't have to just be sports related. It could just be free game about life. Would you?
1: And, and that's what it is. We're going to get a lot of free game about life. And that's what I love about, you know, my, my partner, Rashid. Rashid, he, he, he does so many different things in terms of activism, basketball. And just Rashid is what I call a one of one So you're going to see so many different things in terms of basketball, life stuff. You know, I'm a golfer. I love golf. You know, we're just going to be all over the place. But our number one thing is, is we're going to try to really just get, you know, attached to youth you know make sure the youth understand what they're about to see in life and that's where our biggest thing is i didn't have a mentor when i went to the nba because i didn't need a pro till I, till I went pro we want to be those guys that's going to help these guys with what they're about to see and 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 i don't want them guys asking people in their in their circle that's guessing about their future i want to, we want to be those guys that can help them on some concrete answer like this is what you're about to see think about this try this and just be those those persons for the kids, and and we love you know we love the idea of it. We're very excited, and you know, it, it baller's life is just about to be you know our life, and and we're we're very excited.
0: So, what is your free game to the people? <laughs> My free game to the people. Watch, let's get
1: technical and, and support us, man, and make sure make sure y'all hold us accountable every single week to make sure that we're doing the right thing, man, because. You know, we just don't want to be out here just bullshitting the people and just out here trying to do a money grab and just out here just say we got a podcast. Like, we really want to be out here, you know, really impacting the youth, man, saying some real shit and just really just being positive for our communities and for people that's watching us, man, because we know we got an obligation and we know we got so many people that look up to us, man, and we just want to make sure we're giving them positive information and giving them things to aspire for. There y'all
0: have it. Free game for my man, Bonzi Wells. hey. Host up. Let's get technical with Rashid Wallace. Hey, man, I appreciate your time. It's always love. Yeah. Um, I'm going to see you on that golf course one day. That's I want you my game You don't I want this there,
1: Pose. I'm telling you, man, listen. Get your boy Nick Van Exel on here, man. Tell him, you talk to me. You talk to
0: quick. Tell him I'm coming for him and that whole crew in Houston, baby. I ain't <laughs> forgot. <laughs> I ain't forgot. <laughs> I, all right, man. I appreciate it. Much love, man. Always. I right. right, love, bro. Love. Yes, sir. <laughs> Appreciate it.